Welcome to At The Counter One Shots, the podcast that takes the nerdy questions and discussions held at the counter of your local comic book shop and brings them to the internet. And for the record, we're, we're sorry. sorry. I'm Marcus Antea. And I'm Christian Kenty. ATC One Shots take all the fun and geekery of the full podcast and puts it into bite-sized chunks. All right, Christian, today's One Shot is... We're going to talk a bit about the uh, upcoming Flash movie. Now, all we've seen is the trailers that are available. There's no, that are available. There's no inside information here, uh, so spoilers be damned. It's not a thing. Just gonna speculate. Uh, we did something similar when we first saw the uh, trailer for Dial of Destiny, the That's correct, Jones yeah. movie, right? So, yeah, just some speculation and and um, opinion whether you like it or not. Uh, is up to you. Well, let's take a look at the elephant in the room. Michael Keaton is back. Michael Keaton is back. And that's like, we were just watching the trailer. We got about halfway through it and my phone gave up. Said, nah, we're not doing this anymore. In fairness for the insiders, we're doing this at like 1130 at night after playing D&D for a few hours and said, boy, we need to put this together. So Taz, this one's for you. All right. Because I don't want to disappoint you. I know we didn't have something last week. Right. So this one's. All about you, Taz. All I right? got the so gears. You have something so. to listen to. <laughs> but yeah, like the first instinct I have is that there's a heavy lean on the Batman side of things, right? It to make it like it might be just just be the trailer, but it definitely maybe. leans more into the DC multiverse. Yeah. Now, does that mean we're going to get Grant Gustin as a well? They to be fair, Ezra Miller guest starred on The Flash during crossover. Spoilers. So Return to Favor might be interesting. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that if they're going to drop that, that won't be a trailer drop. Oh, no. Because they've be done moving. their big trailer drop. If they were going to do that one, that would definitely have been the pre-Keaton trailer. Because Keaton is definitely the big drop in this one. I think Keaton is the, the big drop they couldn't keep secret. Yeah. Much like... Ezra Miller was the drop they could keep secret in Flash. Yeah. So if they keep Grant Gustin Flash secret for this, that's where they threw out every other possible multiverse version of characters they could get together in one thing that would do television. I think this might be a similar thing that happens for movies. Mm-hmm. Now, overall, I'm I'm going to try and steer away from too much speculation on James Gunn's DCU. For this particular episode. Yes, this uh, is just about Because that is a large, large topic. And we we probably should, you know, cover that at some point when we have more information to work with and something tangible coming out of it. Agreed. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot that rides on this particular film, (laughs) right? As far as DC's future. (laughs) Yeah, and the real elephant in the room is the issues that people are having with Ezra Miller. Yeah. Like it or not, and most people don't, and they should not. The fact of the matter is, we're not going to get into the specifics about it, because I don't even know all the specifics. I don't even want to know the specifics. However, one person does not make a movie. This is true. And for anyone to say, well, he's a piece of crap, so we're not going to see the movie negates the thousand of people that end up working on this movie between other actors extras 
directors, crew, special effects artists, second, like no superhero movie or any movie in this matter in this day and age doesn't have less than a 10 minute crawl at the end of the credits. Yeah, there's, I mean, this comes back around in it from a different direction to back to the whole uh, Mandalorian issue with Cardoon and. No, it wasn't a Mandalorian issue with Cardoon. It's a Mandalorian issue with Gina. With yeah, it's, what's that's her name? What yeah, mean. Gina yeah. Carrere. Gina Carrere doesn't sound right. No. I, I don't know why her name is escaping me. It's right on the tip of my tongue. yeah. But anyways, yeah. But this it's, comes back to that whole issue, right? Is is at what point are some is somebody's personal life involved too much in the success of the film, right? And that. Again, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with the situation, but why is this even a discussion about the film, right? The film has no bearing on the personal lives of their actors. However, being able to separate a person from their work is becoming harder and harder and harder these days. If you look at J.K. Rowling, who has been blamed or accused of things, and although almost none of it could have been backed up with evidence, that doesn't matter. People are burning their books and saying, I'll never read or watch or spend. And she's like, well, I don't care. You already bought the book to burn. I don't give a crap what you do it after you give her your money. But this goes all the way back to like Bing Crosby. Yeah. Bing Crosby, amazing stuff he did, used to beat the tar out of his kids. That came out much later. But does that mean that every good thing he ever did on the movies for his job is negated? No. Like, am I going to want to go have a beer with Ezra Miller? No, I'm not. I wouldn't have a beer with him regardless. I think it was creepy and weird. But the point being, his work that he got paid to do a job does not reflect his personal beliefs or instincts or whatever you want to call it. It's his job to do what other people tell him to do and say what other people tell him to say. What he does elsewhere is not the movie's concern. Yep. Ultimately. And I think, I think there's a, a great overreach. And again, this is not a defensive stance on either side. We're very neutral about things here. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a little bit of personal opinion, but a little bit of just there's not a side to be taken here for the podcast. I just don't see how, like you said, how somebody's personal life outside of uh, of their job, in any case, you know, Hollywood aside, affects the work that they do, right? Or or your opinion of the work that they do, or why that should taint it. If somebody's doing a good job at their job. What they do at home is none of your business. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case. Which is in part of the problem, right? So uh, we'll we'll swing away from this part of the topic because yeah. this is going down a road we don't want to go. You know, I I'm not trying to upset anybody. We're talking about the Flash movie as a whole. I'm curious to see what the movie turns out to be because there's a lot of different things that layer into it as well. And, and especially with decisions that DC has made casting wise as a whole, yeah. right. And in, in James Gunn's view of, of who's there, who's not, and, and things that they've decided to toss aside and, and, you know, the whole Henry Cavill thing and, you know, the casting choices have, are going to make this extremely interesting. I think with the 
knowledge that the big three are out. Mm-hmm. So Affleck and uh, Cavill, Cavill and, and Godot. Godot are all done as far as I'm, I'm aware. That changes everything in the DCU. And it also, this movie being a flashpoint, mm-hmm. sets up having different people be those characters much in the same way of Doctor Who. Yep. Oh, it's a time jump. It's a universe crossover. Now it's this person. Well, I mean, that's I mean that's been DC's claim to fame for, for comics forever. And I mean, it's a pretty easy comic trope from both ends, Marvel, Marvel or DC. Um, is multiversing because well we really want to do this thing right it gave it gives dc or warner brothers basically the excuse to say well we can do what we want (laughs) agreed right um obviously this thing isn't working which i i don't think you get to complain on both sides of that right the complaints that come out about dc movies in comparison to either dc tv shows which are phenomenal uh or the the mcu and what they're doing DC kind of has fallen flat for movies as a whole. There's a lot of things that people are unhappy with about them. And the casting is not it. No. Right? It's, and that's it's about writing. the one saving grace of a lot of the movies is that the casting is actually phenomenal. Yeah, I um, thought Batfleck you know. was great. I thought he did a really good job. I, I thought he balanced both. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the balance of, of Bruce Wayne versus Batman and how that lines up, right? I, I think he handled both okay. Henry Cavill is a you know phenomenal I'm, Superman. I'm, I'm just chuffed with him as a Superman, and I was curious about Gal as uh, as Wonder Woman, but from the first movie, and I actually don't mind the first Wonder Woman movie. I don't know if people had problems with it, but oh no no no, I I thought it was a really good film. The first um, movie was phenomenal. Yeah. People had problems. Eighty four was movie. definitely a little bit of a stretch, and there was um, a reason that it was yeah. a problem with the second movie because it was crap. But once again, it's everybody getting screwed by writing. It's like Jodie Whittaker. I was excited and really looking forward to seeing what a female doctor would do. And she got screwed by bad writing. Yeah, they didn't they didn't know how to write for it. Well, I mean, when your writing team's been writing for how many male doctors? Oh no, it's right? completely new. There was it a completely new showrunner. It. Was it? Oh yeah, Chris Chibnall became the showrunner and he just, just didn't pick it up. Dropped the ball. Yeah. It was just bad. Now that being said, the final episode of hers was phenomenal. Yeah. Like the one bright penny in the bag full of crap change yeah. was that last episode was amazing. Um, but that being said, she kind of got hosed on bad writing. And same with 1984 for Wonder this, Woman. Yeah, this comes across in a lot of DC movies where I stand by, again, we're, we're coming full circle Batman and Superman, two reasonably good movies on their own, but they did not need to be one. Like, they took on way too much story for that one movie. But Batman um, v Superman? Yeah. Because they handled, I don't know, they handled the Batman and Superman coming together and, and acknowledgement of each other and, and working Wonder Woman into that. And Lex Luthor is a villain, which is really great. Um, there's and and I don't mind Jesse Eisenberg as as Lex Luthor. I can kind of buy into that, but the circumstance surrounding again, this is a writing problem. The circumstance surrounding his villain was secondary, and Lex Luthor is not a secondary villain. I'm sorry, 
Yeah, he's a primary. <laughs> he villain. is a primary villain, but he was tr- he was written as a secondary. He was a cause and effect for um, for Doomsday, right? Right, and Doomsday. We know Death of Superman is its own film. Why was Death of Superman not its own film? It has been its own film in animation and was greatly received and redone over and over again, or re-released over and over again. Well, once again, right? we come to the old adage. Marvel can't do anything wrong with film, right. but can't do television to save their life. Opposite for DC. DC's animated stuff is spectacular. Its TV is spectacular. Its movies just tank. Yeah. Every time, all the time, and we don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. You'd think that you get the writers from the TV shows, maybe, to just show up and do their thing, but... They're not. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. It almost feels like a war of overthinking, right? When you have a film, you've got a lot more time to build in and, and overthink your storyline. And when you're doing TV production, it's a lot faster, right? You have to, uh, you have to shell out a lot more week to week to week to week as you're, during your film schedule, right? No, I'd actually I'd argue it's the other way around. Really? You have much more time to develop things on television because you're going 22 episodes. So you're going... I know they're not hour-long programs because of uh, commercials yeah, yeah. and stuff, but just for the ease of the math, yeah, you've got twenty-two hour a twenty-two hour movie to stretch and tease out and get nuances and get fun things. And movies, you got to get it done in two hours. Yeah, but you're also talking about writing twenty-two hours of material, right? To flush that out. Now, that's the big plus side to television is that yes, you have a lot more opportunity. Right. But the writing process happens a lot faster. Right. That's what I'm saying is as a writer, I, I feel like, and I might be wrong. I've never written for television or movies. I've never written for barely for myself. So I write D&D campaigns and those are passable uh, <laughs> um, and only by my standard. But the process to me seems like, again, when you're writing a movie, you have the movie more or less written when you go to start shooting. There, for, there are things the that get part, written yes. on the on the spot. Writers are still on set, but the the script is written and cast, and you adjust it a little bit as you go. But that gives you far more opportunity to overthink the way you've written it, and almost promotes that within the writers because now you've written this thing. Now we have to cast it. We got to set it. We've got to produce it. We've got to shoot it. And we're going to make you a part of all those processes. And so as you're seeing it start to come together, you're, you're thinking, well, maybe I didn't do that right. Or maybe, you know, and, and all those little voices in your head start. And, you know, writers are artists like anybody else who suffer from not being pleased with their work. Right. And so it allows you the opportunity. Whereas with uh, television, you have a lot more material and time to work with, but you also have to fill all that time. And so there's a lot more product you have to put out so as you're looking at sure you're looking at a whole season right you're still dealing with okay episode by episode how are we flushing this out we want to make sure we cover this entire arc but then there's this episodic piece and this episodic piece and we still have to crank all this stuff out not just cranking out a two two to three hour movie and now we can tweak and work it Right. right. Okay. I see what you mean. You, by that you know what way. I'm saying, right? The the way I'm looking at it as is, you've got 22 hours to create a wonderful, oh, slowly building story, yeah. 
And in a movie, you've got two hours to get it out the door. Boom, boom, boom. So you don't have time to let things build to the same extent. You don't get the same exposition. Which you have is to why, set up and release. Right? Which is why TV's been better. Yeah. And that's why it was so good for the Spider-Man Homecoming. What made Spider-Man Homecoming so good was the fact that they did not have to, for the third or fourth hundredth time, have to do his origin story. That's you true. don't get his origin story. Because everybody knows. He got bit by a spider. Boom, he's got spider powers. We can get past this now. Let someone else do it. We just get into the story. And it made it made Spider-Man Homecoming more like a movie too. Well, and it made... I feel like the setup gave you a little bit more appreciation for Tom Holland's Spider-Man because it allowed you to... Again, come in partway into the story, right? Plus, you're allowing the building of Tony as a father figure, right? And, and and the dynamic of that is is specifically special. But it really gives an opportunity to focus on uh, Peter and his relationships with MJ or with girl's name. Gwen or... Uh... Michelle well, Gwen doesn't really play into this one. Are you talking and, Michelle and, uh, Jones? The, yeah, the girl is uh, from Homecoming. Liz. Oh, oh, Liz. oh, Liz. Yeah, yeah, the the daughter of the vulture of, of the vulture, right? And spoilers. So it allows to. I think we're past that at this point with that one, uh, <laughs> but it allows you to focus on his, you know, that that nerdy high school relationship. Not sure, you know, should I? Shouldn't I? A friendship. Right. You know, they they got to sidestep a lot of the the stories that had been done already. Yeah, you right? did you didn't have to have Flash as the jock bully. He was a nerd bully. He was a nerd bully, which was a, actually a really interesting fresh take on him. I've just realized while we're talking, they did the same thing with the Flash. You just walked in and he already had his powers. There's no discussion. There's no how did he get them? Fair. It just he's the Flash. Everybody knows who the Flash is now. We're good. Well, cuz we've We've in films about superheroes, we passed the origin story point. We're we're sick of seeing origin stories as a rule. I am there, and just well as as a movie one, right? Yeah. There is a way to handle origin story without making it like, well, we're gonna do a series, and the first one, you if you know the origin story, you don't even have to watch it. Well, that's what they but, did with Aquaman, <laughs> right? Aquaman got dropped full force into yeah. Justice League. There was no yep no uh, preamble to it. Then they went back and told a story afterwards, which worked. It worked very well. I'm not, I'm hoping this is not what's happening with Flash because we all know the origin story, whether we, however we look at it or whatever version of it you want, doesn't matter. He's fast. He was in an accident. He's super fast now. This one appears to be focusing strictly on Flashpoint, which has nothing to do with his origin. This is after he's had his powers for a while. And learns he can break the time barrier. Which. uh, I still have a problem with the Flash going back to do this. Because he's a scientist. He knows the butterfly effect. He knows that this is going to change a lot of stuff. Yeah, but he's also a kid. Right? And as as a kid, this is like his... The definition of himself. And the hardest thing he's had to deal with. And so at some point... It'll, or it allows for that kind of struggle of, 
Um, and I, I don't think they make light of it uh, or make it a light decision for him. Right. It doesn't seem like it is. Right. It never, to, it the never struggles of the morality of do I, you know, obviously understanding the science, right? Butterfly effect, the chaos math and all that, having a f- reasonable understanding of that versus my emotional drive to save my parents, right? The emotion takes over, right? It, there's very yeah, few scenarios you can put any reasonable person in that emotion will not take the lead on that. They've never treated it lightly in the animated version, in the television version. It's always been a pretty heavy-duty decision, and the consequences were dire. They're they're reasonable for what the expectation is. It's never, well, should I, shouldn't I? Well, I'm going to do it anyway, emotional decision, and oh, look, everything turned out okay. Nope. No, it hit the fan. We, we saw this coming. Like, <laughs> I'm interested in the tie-in alternate universe, by the seam of it, the alternate universe tie-in to Supergirl? I think it's that's a whole new thing. It's not, yeah, but it's it's a it's a carryover alt universe Supergirl as well, which is interesting because Zod is still Zod, and that thing is still happening. But they're it looks like to me they're imprinting her in it, so this inevitability happens in more than one universe. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, the Supergirl that we see in those few clips, yeah. Looks like it's a nod or a discussion to Red Sun. Okay. Because she's got CCP labels on her. Oh, she's I'm watching that part very in, in when she's in the prison on her smock, I found this out. In Russian it says most dangerous. Oh. So she is in a Russian area. So I really do need to watch this closer then. Yeah. Apparently it I mean, for those of you know who Red Sun is, Red Sun was kind of a what if novel, if you would excuse the jumping of uh <laughs> the overarchs between the overarchs uh, between them. Yeah. But the question is, what would have what would have happened if Superman didn't land in Kansas in the United States and he landed in Russia? And that changes a whole yeah. lot when you brainwash. Well, you you tilt that power balance in, in the wrong way at the wrong time. Yeah. Right? And could you imagine Superman working for Russia during the Cold War? Right. Yeah. Well, we've gone crazy off Anyways. as usual. It's still, no, it's still, we're still on track. We're tied in. We're tied in. It's loosely, <laughs> but we're tied in. We're holding but, on to uh, the tracks. <laughs> the, just to wrap it up, because we're already out of time, because this was a nice quick one for us. Are you looking forward to it? It's a hard question. Uh, <laughs> I'm always down for more superhero movies. That's not going to change. In the same way that I'm always down for more Star Wars. I, For me, it more comes down to, am I going to buy the ticket or am I willing to watch it on stream when it happens? My jury's still out on that one. I might buy the ticket. Some of the, if it's convenient for me to go, I'll go. Yeah, I'm sort of the same way. Um, But I, I don't know that I'll rearrange schedules for this one. Flash is not necessarily my favored DC character. He's an interesting character and there's a lot that revolves around him. But if I'm going for DC, I'm definitely a Batman guy. Um, yeah, I know I'm token. Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I, I was always a Superman yeah. guy, but I really loved the Wally West arc of the flash when I'll he took that, over. Yeah. 
back in the 90s when Barry disappeared and Wally took over, I ended up getting really into that comic arc and that run, and it was fantastic. So I've always had a soft spot for The Flash, but The Flash as Wally is completely different than Barry. Yeah. Wally's more a kid. He's a smartass. He's having fun. He's very impulsive. Very impulsive, and he wasn't the deep science guy. Yeah. He was the nephew of the deep science guy. So there's there's a, a layer of that as well in the story arc. I mean, hopes hopes that we'll see uh, in this new DC universe something new from the Green Lantern scope of things. Uh, I'd even like to see them kind of play into either Green Lantern core or uh, in the more recent comics, the Green Lanterns um and and lay into some of that a bit that you know we don't have to go for classic Hal Jordan on this one it's been done and no I and think didn't uh, really happen, I think John Stewart would be the way to go on this one might be yeah there's there's some interesting availability for for Green Lanterns and that's the beauty of Green Lantern if you screw up the story with one of them there are thousands yeah. of them to choose from so and and, and <laughs> it's a way to it's a way to diversify the cast without having to replace a white character with a pair of of exactly. color it's already a person yeah. of color let's just give them the damn part exactly and that would make that would make it very interesting because then we could actually get a proper full justice league movie it's true and i would love to see that and i think that uh, uh discussion of green lantern should actually be its own one shot at some point i think it's a one shot it but should. we'll we'll have to talk about that as far as well you know keep your ears out for that one that one's going to come at some point is we're going to we'll have a discussion uh in a later episode about hopeful ideas for green lantern movies to come in, in james gunn's dcu and maybe how we would cast certain things as far as how do you cast john stewart how do you cast the girl's name escapes me all the time I uh, really yeah uh, um, depends on which girl you're talking about but yes yeah uh, i can't remember which her name um, I, i've only ever seen her in the one animated thing so i don't know okay. enough about her yeah there's there's a few things as far as green lanterns yeah yeah so that'll be a later episode well that question has been asked and answered but we still need more questions, so please send any of your nerdy questions to Christian at FrugalDutchman.com or join us on Facebook at TFDATC. That's the Frugal Dutchman at the counter. So join us next time for more thoughtful answers to pointless questions, and we'll see you at the counter. counter.